Now you can find, listen and subscribe to Chilling with Jens and the local Danfoss Climate Solution podcast in your RevTools app. Download it from danfoss.com. Service and support. Downloads. Hi, I'm Jens Andersen from Danfoss Climate Solution. In today's podcast, I've asked John Broughton from the Global Applications team to tell us a about the ins and outs of airflow, both inside and outside of freezer and chiller rooms. So, John, uh, thank you for being here today. Um, John, could you please introduce yourself like you always do? Hi, Jens. Thank you. Um, yeah, my name is John Broughton. Um, work for Danfoss. Been in Danfoss for 27 years now, I think. Um, done various roles within Danfoss. Before Danfoss, I was a refrigeration engineer on the tools. Um, and then, yeah, been in Danfoss for quite a few years now, done, done various technical roles. Now I work in global applications. Um, with a main focus on condensed units, so, you know, commercial refrigeration, basically. Thank you, John. John, the theme of today is airflow. So if we start by, you could say, the, the, the grand overview of a cold room and whatever uh, suits or goes with the cold room, could you please take us through some of the considerations you have or we should have in regards to airflow, both in terms of condenser and evaporator, you know, from the constructional side of things, for instance? Yeah, certainly, Jens. I mean, airflow is incredibly important um, when you start thinking about a refrigeration system because airflow is the, the, the method of expelling the heat from, let's say, if, if we look at a cold room, we take the heat from where we don't want it, which is the cold room itself, the contents of the cold room, and then we expel that heat outside. Now, in a cold room we're talking about airflow on the evaporator and airflow from the condenser so the airflow on the evaporator that uh, basically blows around our cold room and across the products within the cold room and that airflow then absorbs that heat takes that back to the evaporator and the as that airflow flows across the evaporator that heat is transferred from the air into the circulating refrigerant in the evaporator which then evaporates that goes back to the condenser unit and then the airflow across the condenser then rejects that heat into the, the ambient, the outside where, you know, it's not a problem to put that heat. So if we don't have that airflow or we don't have enough airflow, then, you know, we will struggle to maintain the correct temperature within the cauldron. So very important and often, um, I won't say overlooked, but people don't take it into the effect that it is incredibly important. Yeah, I see. I mean, it's it's we've we've so far we've we've been talking a lot about uh, the refrigerant actually absorbing and uh, dismissing the, the the energy, so to speak, when we're cooling down things and then or even heating up in 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 some cases. Um, but if we look at 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 the yeah uh, what we could call the the constructional side of things. Could you please take us through um, the the cold room? Let's let's take a, a freezer room, for instance, as 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 an example. What should we um, be most uh, 
attending to when we're talking about airflow? Um, okay, so if we take the, the basic freezer room, um, airflow, as I've said, is incredibly important. That has to flow around the room. Um, I'd probably say one of the biggest challenges with, with any cold store, whether it's high temperature, low temperature, is actually keeping the door closed because what we want to do is maintain that that cold within the cold room. If we have an open door, we, we lose that cold air to outside. But the other drastic thing that does is if the door is open, then we get warm moist air coming into the cold room and that warm moist air will be immediately attracted to the evaporator itself and then you will start and build up frost on your evaporator which will reduce the airflow within the room so that is incredibly important keep the door closed is one if you can't keep the door closed then make sure we have uh, let's say door control on it whether that is a pvc strip curtain or a, uh, an air blower across the entrance of the door basically to try and stop um, air escaping and air entering the, 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 cold, the cold room space, if you like. Um, obviously, from a cold room point of view, it is an insulated box uh, that has to be solid. There can't be any, any leaks within that structure. So we want to maintain that, that cold environment. You'd say moisture is, 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 uh, is a big part, a part, of course, from the uh, heat entering uh, unwanted, you could say, in, in, into the, to the uh, freezer room. Um, and, <laughs> well, I guess the next question would obviously be, uh, then we probably need at some stage to uh, defrost. Um, yes. And, and defrosting in connection with airspeed or air flow. Flow. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I mean, defrost, yeah, again, you know, something that is incredibly important. We want to keep that evaporator clear. We want to keep the uh, the, the thin block um, clear of, of frost or ice. So, yeah, we need to make sure that we defrost correctly. And that, again, you know, comes with its own challenges because when we, when we defrost an evaporator, we need to make sure that we're not putting too much unwanted heat into that cold room so we need to make sure that we have a defrost termination temperature that is acceptable that clears the uh the, the frost the ice off the evaporator and if we have that defrost termination temperature too high then we're clearing the coil of, of frost and, and ice and then we're just putting more heat into the room all the time so we need to have that defrost termination temperature correct lots of discussions on what that temperature should be um, most people start you know around about sort of uh, five degrees uh, can be higher can be lower it all depends when if when and if we clear that evaporator of frost and ice that's the correct termination temperature um, we then have things like the uh, drip down time the fan delay time again a drip down time for me i would always put five minutes the drip down time is when we've we've ended the defrost cycle and the heaters are no longer on and we're just allowing time for any moisture that's on that coil to to drip off the coil uh, and run away down the drain then we have a period um, some call it uh, fan delay some call it snap freeze when we start the refrigeration system but we don't start the fans um, for me a minute is uh, you know plenty long enough what we've got to remember is that if the fans are not running and we are 
running the refrigeration system, we've got liquid flowing through that evaporator and the fans are not running, so we're not getting any um, airflow across. So we've got to be mindful of liquid coming back down the suction line to the compressor. So that one minute um, snap freeze or, or fan delay, if there's any moisture left on the fins, it's then frozen onto the fins and it's not blown out across the mm. room. Um, defrosting is, is one of those things that it needs attention and it needs to be commissioned. You can't just set it and, and walk away and go on to the next job. You've got to make sure that the settings that you've put in actually work for that application. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I guess so. It's, it's a trial and error, essentially, I guess. Yeah, to, yeah, to a certain degree, at least. Not yeah. too many errors, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. John, um, we need to get rid of, of, of the, the energy or the heat that we've just taken out of the, the frozen goods. Um, what are the considerations with uh, condensers? Um, yeah, I mean, the, the condenser is an incredibly important part of the refrigeration system that expels the heat that we've removed from our cold room or the goods within the cold room to the outside ambient air. We need to make sure that we've got good airflow across our condenser. We need to make sure the condenser is clean, um, incredibly important. We need to make sure that it's got adequate airflow. You know, don't put the face of the condenser too close to a wall, for example. Always look at the manufacturer's recommendations of that minimum clearance. Um, we've then also got to think about things like head pressure control because we don't want the fans running all the time in a low ambient situation. Otherwise, we will over condense, which means our head pressure our condensing pressure will be reduced. Um, so really you should fit a fan speed control on that to maintain the correct head pressure. So we maintain the correct pressure difference across the expansion valve. Um, too low pressure difference on the system and that expansion valve will fall away in the amount of duty that it can provide. So, uh, you know, head pressure, condensing pressure is incredibly important. So many times I'll go to site and the condenser will be you know, thick with, with dust or, or debris. Mm. Um, in the summertime, obviously, when we have high ambient conditions, and I'm talking the UK here, which, you know, doesn't get too hot, um, but if you have a hot day and the condenser is, is, is blocked, that will make the system work harder. Um, it makes the compressor work harder, which can, you know, do some damage to the compressor. So we want to maintain the head pressure uh, at the correct point, let's say. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I get it. The, the larger the difference in, in pressures, the, the more work it'll have to do with the compressor, of course. I, I guess that's pretty obvious. Um, John, if we step back into the cold room and, and look at some of the, yeah, you could say the nitty-gritty details, um, something like uh, air shadow. What is that? Or wind shadow, I think it's called. What is that? Um yeah, I would sort of turn that as, as air throw uh, and also talk about the velocity that's coming off the uh, evaporator. Now, as we said, we, we look at our deep freeze cold room and we need to remove that, that heat and we need to remove that heat from the products that are within the store. So that air throw and flow from the cooler needs to come basically off the front face of the cooler and it needs to what i call envelope itself around those those products and get carried back to the evaporator so we have that heat exchange cycle there's a lot of discussion about air throw and air flow 
from an evaporator. The main thing to say, again, looking at the manufacturer's instructions, make sure you maintain adequate clearance at the back of the evaporator. A good rule of thumb is that the height of the evaporator needs to be that needs to be the same distance uh, from the wall that's a very good rule of thumb so if the evaporator is let's say um, uh, 0.7 meter from uh, in in height then you need 0.7 meter uh, between the wall and the back of the evaporator basically um, obviously smaller evaporator smaller distance but uh, that's a very good rule of thumb but always check the manufacturers you know details on that so that's important one of the biggest challenges we face in any type of uh, cold room is when they stack the product around the evaporator generally um, so we're not blocking the air throw and flow through the evaporator that's in incredibly important um, then we talk about air throw within the room itself now there's lots of yeah, sort of rules of thumb regarding what uh, velocity you need uh, within a cold room and generally air throw is uh, when the velocity is dropped to uh, below 0.5 meter per second that's basically the the, the end of the air uh, throw within a cold room if you have a very long cold room you know maybe it's uh, 26 meters uh, in length then you'll probably need different types of fans on the evaporator, uh, maybe axial fans to actually throw the air further. The main thing to say is you need to ensure that you get that air moving around the products and you don't want any dead spots within the cold room itself. Um, there's things that you can do, Jens, to increase air throw. Um, there's something called the coander effect. And basically, if you mount your evaporator on the ceiling, as 99% you know, of the evaporators are, then that air coming off the evaporator will cling to the ceiling and you can extend your air throw by about 30-40%. Um, however, if you put things like um, fluorescent light fittings on the ceiling and they are blocking the path of that, air that's clinging to the ceiling then as soon as that air hits a fluorescent uh, light fitting that air will drop so you lose that coander effect so if you put lights in a cold room put them lengthways on um, or in line with the air flow from the evaporators so you continue that air flow around your uh, evaporator and use that coander effect as i say you know 30 40 percent is a huge increase in your air throw within your room um, other things that uh, can affect that coander effect, if you don't put your evaporators, uh, fix them to the ceiling and you put them on brackets away from the ceiling, then you, you basically lose that coander effect totally. Um, I've seen locations where they've put evaporators in a, I call it a pod, a, a pod or a box on the side of the, on, sorry, on the side of the cold room so that the air flow is uh, basically disturbed and you don't get the required distribution of air throughout the cold room. So that, that's another important one. Yeah, interesting. Very interesting, actually. Uh, are there any other things that, uh, say, when, when, when you uh, are sort of advising the customer in, in uh, his way of arranging goods in, in, uh, in, a, in a freezer room, are there any other uh, advices you should maybe tell him? I mean, from a, from a customer point of view, as, as I said, Jens, the, the most 
challenging one is that generally because you have an evaporator and you you need to store goods within the room they generally store the goods around the evaporator i have seen in in one cold room which i thought was quite a good idea the customer or the the contractor who built the room actually built a steel frame under the evaporator um, so that it was impossible to actually store goods under the evaporator uh, so that maintained a good airflow and throw through the evaporator um, other things that I've seen people do is make sure that you have enough room within that cold room to actually move the air around. So if you have, let's say, a large deep freeze cold room, for example, and you have an evaporator on the ceiling, don't put your racking directly in front of that evaporator. No. Put the racking to the side of the evaporator so that you actually get a clear, uh, undisrupted air throw and flow from the evaporator to the other end of the cold room and back again. Um, a lot of this sounds very simple and sort of straightforward, but occasionally you'll go to site and they'll do things that are very strange. Um, you don't want to in interrupt that air flow within your room, basically. Um, it depends on the evaporator type. It depends on the coil velocity. You know, generally, and again, the, these are good sort of uh, checks whenever you go to a new site, if it's got issues, generally uh, the velocity onto an evaporator that so that's the the air on the coil face of that evaporator you're talking roughly 2.4 meters a second somewhere around there and then the air off which is the fan discharge if you like about 7.2 meters a second again roughly mm. um something like that it would give you a uh, an, an air throw around sort of uh, nine meters in length um where at the end of that nine meters you're talking about 0.5 meter per second so that's the sort of point where the air doesn't move very much anymore but again that that really needs to be taken with the evaporator manufacturer um, mm -hmm. if you need longer air throw then yeah you can put uh, you know long case axial fans on things like that which will throw that air further do i get this right that in case you need to uh, renew a, a, a fan on a on an evaporator. You have to be mm, fairly careful what you replace it with. Yes, um, like for like. So if it's a propeller fan, you replace it with a propeller fan. If it's an axial fan, you replace it with an axial fan. Um, you also need to make sure that uh, the wattage size of that motor that you're replacing is the same as the one that you're taking off, because what you don't want is unbalanced airflow through that evaporator. You don't want one fanning, one fan pulling more air through the evaporator than another fan, because then you create uh, differences within the the cooler itself. So yeah, I mean that's fairly straightforward. But I have seen cases where they've done that, and you know, we as engineers will do anything we can to get a system running. So mm -hmm. if it's a short fix, fine, no issues. But I certainly wouldn't leave it like that. Um, one of the strange thing that occasionally happens, um, if it's a three-phase fan, I have been to sites where the phases have been reversed and the fans are blowing the wrong way, um, you know, which is uh, you don't notice it until you actually look for it. Oh. Uh, so that that's a good one to always check. Generally, nowadays, phases don't get reversed too much, um, but I have seen it on, on site, which, you know, does cause some sort of strange issues because you'll say to the customer, are the fans running? I'll say, yes, um, but until you actually get up there and feel the fan, then, yeah. uh, you know, you don't sort of notice it. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
And, and yeah. if, if one is running the right way and the other one is is not, then you have a a kind of a short circuit, a short circuit. Yes, yeah. like a push-pull sort of effect, yeah. 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 I mean, generally, the fans that are wired on an evaporator will just come from one terminal box on one end, and then all the fans will be fed, you know, the uh, yeah. the phases from that one terminal box. So you generally don't get that issue. It's, it's more the fact of they either run the right way or the wrong way. And again, if it's three-phase fans, good commissioning check, are they running the right way? Just because they're running doesn't mean they're going the right way. John, uh, a question I have sort of uh, in my back of my head: Would you ever, would you ever consider a speed control of an evaporator fan? Mm, now that, that's a very, a very good question, and one that we sort of talk about within the <laughs> application group. Um, Generally, within let's say a, a cold room uh, or a freezer room, um, you can save energy. Now, uh, what we can do with some of our uh, controls is that when you're in a thermostat off situation, so the cooling is uh, uh, the cooling is satisfied within that room, you would turn your evaporator fans off, and then every let's say five minutes for one minute, you would pulse the fans on. So then you're pulling the air across the evaporator, across the thermostat sensor. Uh, so you are still moving the air around. You're just not moving it around all the time. And that saves energy. So that's mm. one method to, uh, to to do that. There's, a, a, as, as I say, a lot of discussion about variable speed evaporator fans. Um, I've yet to see it in practice because basically if you reduce the airflow across your evaporator, then your suction pressure will fall because your evaporator is matched to your uh, compressor. Um, so there's a lot of discussion, uh, maybe in the supermarket world, in food retail. I know they're looking at you know all the ways to save energy. Um, I've yet to see it in practice, let's say that. Yeah, yeah. that was good. If we, John, let, let's go outside again to the condenser. Um, we have, I guess, if not now, we have been talking about speed control of uh, condensers. But are there any other things that you should uh, sort of think of in terms of airflow with through the condenser? Um, I mean, we we spoke, you know, make sure the condenser's clean. Um, that's uh, you know hugely important. Um, one thing that, that springs to mind from uh, a particular site that I visited uh, some years ago is always try and put your condenser, let's say, side on to a prevailing wind. So don't let the prevailing wind blow against the face of the condenser um, because then your head pressure control gets a bit skewed, if you like. Mm. Um, you know, if it's on top of a roof, for example, you don't want the prevailing wind blowing through the condenser all the time because then no matter what you try and do with your head pressure control, you will not control the system effectively. So always try and put a condenser side on uh, to a prevailing wind, make sure it's clean. Um, obviously the design of the condenser itself, um, on a condensing unit, you know, you can't really go wrong because it's designed and built like that. If it's a standalone condenser, 
Um, I have seen a condenser be fitted the wrong way round. Um, so instead of the inlet being at the top, the inlet was at the bottom. So they'd put the inlet ah. in the outlet, so to speak, uh, um, which caused a few uh, a few challenges on site because nobody could actually work out why it was doing what it was doing. Um, again, that that's with a remote condenser. Mm. Um, if it's a remote condenser, make sure that you uh operate the fans in pairs so let's say it's got six fans on for example make sure you uh operate two two and two if the condenser has a baffle plate in the middle of the coil block then you can do that you can operate all the fans individually um you just got to be very aware of the way that the condenser is circuited and if there's any baffle plates in there um so things like that need to be taken into account um yeah, just sort of, you know, always think about the air flow, um, undergrowth, plant growth, things like that. That's another one that occasionally when I'm walking around, you'll see a, a poor condensing unit that is, you know, smothered with uh, plant growth, um, mm. particularly yeah. in springtime, for example. Um, you'll see that in the fall. You'll see it covered in leaves. So those sort of times you've got to be very aware of uh, the location of the condenser, things like that. Uh, John, have we missed any uh, important things when we're talking airflow? To my, we've we've spoken about the condenser. We've spoken about the evaporator. We've we've mentioned that you know that is the the, the medium to carry the air um, round, uh, or let's say to take the heat out of our refrigerated space and expel it to uh, you know where it doesn't matter meaning the outside um the refrigerant itself is is the transport medium for that heat um again condenser evaporator we've spoken about the defrost side of the evaporator um you know make sure that it is uh, as clear as possible um don't put added heat into the room Again, most important location of the evaporator itself. Always try and fit it to the ceiling. Um, I guess that there's a, a few little comments on that. We spoke about the co the coander effect um, of utilising that uh, ceiling itself. I have seen in some stores where they might angle the fans up against the ceiling um, in very large cold rooms. That will also help this coander effect to get a good air throw. Um, around the room. Uh, we touched on variable speed fans a little bit. As I say, not seen that in, in practice. Um, I stand to be corrected, of course. Um, yeah, I think I think we've sort of covered most things, Jens, to be honest. It's one of those topics that is important and often gets overlooked when you're on site, um, you know, particularly the evaporator. That's got to have good air flow through. Um, otherwise, you know, we're going to have problems within the store itself. A little trick that I use when I'm on site, um, just to check the air throw in the cold room. Um, sometimes when you're at the, the, let's say, the far end of a cold room away from the evaporators, sometimes it's, it's a little bit difficult to uh, to feel that air flow. Um, so I sometimes use a smoke tablet, which is, um, yeah, what it says. It's a little white tablet that you uh, you basically light with a match. Uh, and hold it behind the evaporator, and that will then throw smoke around the room with the air 
flow so you can actually see what's going on within the room i have to say there's a caveat on that make sure there's no um fire detection systems within the room oh, yeah. or the area where you're working because otherwise that can cause some uh, fun and games i've never set a fire alarm off yet but you know <laughs> th there's always time yeah. i guess um, it could happen yeah it could happen yeah 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 um so yeah i think we've, we've sort of covered uh, most things i guess one thing to say the thermostat sensor in a room I would always place it behind the evaporator, so we're sensing the air onto the evaporator. Um, don't put it in the air off, because obviously then you're sensing the cooled air, not the return air from the product itself. Don't put it near the doors, for example. Um, location of the evaporator itself within a room, always put it as far away from the doors as you can, so that you know it doesn't get that warm, moist air from outside when the doors open, things like that. Um, Again, the, the 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 science of how many evaporators you need in a in a store. If it's a very large store, you need multiple evaporators. That's really a discussion for the evaporator manufacturer to make sure that we get the right air flow and throw in all parts of that room. Um, if you have two evaporators side by side, you can increase the air throw and flow um, in the region of sort of ten to twenty percent again. So there's various things that you can do but really that then comes down to the design of the cold room and speaks to the evaporator manufacturer to ensure that you get enough air flow um, you know within the refrigerated space so to speak but there's plenty of things to think about when when you well one thing is constructing and building the, the room itself but i guess also uh, when uh, servicing and uh, yeah yeah, servicing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One one point, Jens, actually, that I, I forgot to mention. Um, air flow uh, and throw within room can actually be reduced if you have quite a, a, a low ceiling height. So if the ceiling height is, let's say, below two meters, which I know is not particularly tall, um, that will actually reduce the air throw within a room quite a lot because you don't get that stratification of temperature. Um, from the uh, the cold uh, and, mm. and back to the evaporator again so uh, occasionally i've seen that but you know below two meters that's that's not very tall so uh you know we'd have to sort of stoop to to walk around in the room but i have seen it occasionally uh and coming back to that commander effect i remember one site uh, again some some years ago where there was basically steel beams everywhere within the cold room uh, which was basically not allowing the, the air to, to blow to the furthest reaches of the cold room at all, mm, um, which yeah. was then having a bad effect on the expansion valve because the valves were shutting because they were not getting any heat from the, the product in the, in the room itself. So I, I would say it, it comes back to first principles, really. Um, you know, use your senses, look at everything. Does it look right? Uh, don't immediately blame the refrigeration system look at the, the the setup that they've got in the room itself john thank you so much for your time and uh, insight uh, it's it's been quite fascinating actually thank you so much john thank you Jens, and uh, yeah look forward to talking to you again yeah thank you bye 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 please don't hesitate to write us about any topic that you would like us to cover in the near future 
Later, we will have a closer look at the different sensors that Danfoss sells, and also plate heat exchangers will be discussed in another upcoming podcast. So please remember to contact us on any channel with your suggestions, and above all, remember to stay cool. <laughs>